Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're back with me again this week, and we got a great one for you today. We're going to talk about uh, building living fences out of trees, hedges, and fedges. We'll talk about some of the benefits of that, maybe some of the things that ain't so great about that, and uh, just how you get started doing that, some of the trees or bushes that you can use for something like that, and just just a little bit all about it, get you thinking along the lines of uh, living fences. I think they're pretty cool. Uh, thing for a homestead depending on your situation so uh, before we jump into that let's uh, have a few homestead updates what's going on around here at the small town homestead well uh, i think i talked about last time about making some kombucha for the first time and it's a success and it's going to continue to be a long-term presence on our homestead for sure uh, i i had drank it once before didn't care for the the flavor that they'd put into that one which was a raspberry and i made two different kinds i made a pineapple and a um uh, what was it a mango and boy i loved them both they were really really good my uh, two of my daughters tried it they really liked it and uh yeah i think it's going to be something that's going to continue to be on our homestead for sure and it's fun and easy to make and i I really enjoyed it i'll try some different flavors in the future uh see how it comes out and see if i can't come up with some other stuff i like but really enjoy kombucha so if you've never made any before um, get you a scoby and get after it it's a lot of fun and and uh, real healthy and uh, i think it's worth uh i think it's worth taking on um made a couple decisions around here some of you in the past have seen pictures of our backyard and stuff you know we have a little backyard pond it's just mostly a decorative pond, but I mean, it serves a few functions even for our homestead as far as a water source and manure source uh, for the garden, uh, fish manure, and, and it's just really a beautiful pond. Well, it's still going to be a beautiful pond, but I've made the decision to fill in that pond. And you may ask why. Well, we have a couple little grandkids and, and we have this doggy door. Well, my grandson is old enough now. He's one and he's, uh, he's, uh, getting a curiosity. <laughs> he's, he's starting to develop a, a strong curiosity about things. And he stuck his head out that, that dog door a few times. And there's a, there's a pond in our backyard that it just, um, it scares me the, the thought of him going out there and falling in that when nobody's around. So I'm going to actually fill it in with stones. I'm going to make it still like a flowing river. Uh, I'm going to fill it in with like river rock and I'm going to take a bucket like a five gallon bucket and I'm going to drill a bunch of holes in it and I'm going to set the pump down in the bucket, cover it up, run the hose out of the pump because we have like a flowing river that kind of, that the pot, the, the hose actually uh, goes back to the, there's like a little small waterfall and it runs down that it goes underneath a bridge and then into the pond. Well, I'm still going to keep all that. And, but the difference is it's only going to be a couple inches deep. I'm going to fill it up over the top of that bucket and occasionally I'll have to pull the rocks away, and I'm sure dig that bucket out and clean everything. But it'll still have a flowing water, um, but I think it'll be a lot safer. I don't have to worry about him falling into a deep pond because it's, you know, three and a half feet deep. And uh, I'm I just a fear of mine. So we're still going to, you know, there'll still be water flowing in it. The rocks will be up over the, the bucket, and it'll have a flow 
to it. So there'll still be water. There'll still be, there probably won't be any fish in it. We're going to take the fish out, of course. I mean, I could put a couple little goldfish in there or something. When you're talking a couple inches deep in like a river, they could live in that. But I don't know. I don't know if it's just not worth it having it around for, for his age. And, you know, he gets a little bit older and my granddaughter gets a little bit older. We'll dig it back out. I just have a, a fear of that happening. So, um, yeah, we're going to be filling in our little pond. So it's something we're going to lose on the homestead a little bit of the, the value of it. But uh, it's worth it for the safety, I think. We're also going to be putting up some privacy fence. And and that kind of flies in the face of what I'm going to talk about today. So I'll even talk about in a few minutes why we're not going with a living fence um, instead of a privacy fence, even though that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, there's a, a part of our yard where we're in an urban homestead, and it's just very open to our neighbor's backyard. Well, they're out there a lot. We're out in our backyard a lot. And it's just very little privacy right there and it's just one on the other side we don't have that but on that side we do and and um it's just uh i don't know it's a little odd (laughs) when everybody's like right there in your business all the time so we're gonna stick some privacy fence up there uh let's see what else oh i had uh friday a couple days ago i had some fairly major dental work so that was not fun i ended up sitting in a, a dentist chair for about five hours i had busted a root canal and uh, I actually had a root canal right behind it, too. And um, the busted one, they was going to pull out. And I actually had them. They said it was starting to, the other one didn't look very good. So I went and had them pull that one, too. So I actually had two teeth pulled in the back of my mouth that had root canals in them. And while they were in there, they found a couple other cavities and had those fixed. So it was a it was kind of a long day getting some dental work. So uh, yesterday I was kind of miserable. And <laughs> today I feel a lot better, though. Um, but, yeah, got to get that done every once in a while. And I don't keep up. I'm, I've just got this, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for dentists, but it's definitely my least favorite thing in the world to do is go to the dentist. So I'm kind of bad about going when I should. I wait till it's an absolute necessity before I go. And I haven't been a bunch. I haven't had a lot of teeth trouble in my life, but uh, I've uh, went enough to know I don't like it. And I still don't like it, but I had to have that done. Uh, okay. Oh, additions to the Homestead Forum membership community this week. Um, uh, Troy McClung, uh, had, uh, gave us a video for the, for the membership community. That's Troy from uh, Red Tool House. You've heard him on the podcast before. And, uh, he gave a, a, a video to the, the membership community on, uh, training piglets to an electric fence, which was kind of cool. So if anybody's uh, wondering about raising pigs or stuff, Troy has always been, uh, very knowledgeable about his, uh, he done a podcast episode for us about raising pigs. So go look at, listen to that if you're interested in having pigs on your homestead. But thankful for his video in, in the membership community. Uh, also, it just finished up. Matter of fact, this morning I did our live discussion in there where folks can come into a chat room and I'll, each week I get on there. And here recently it's been Sunday mornings, but I'll probably turn, uh, shake that up a little bit from time to time try to get some different times so other people can get involved because i mean i'm on eastern standard time and i know folks on the west coast cannot really get in on that it's like you know three four in the morning when some of those folks are when i'm doing it so they can't really get involved in the live discussion so we'll try to shake that up a little bit and move that around from time to time and sunday mornings are real convenient for me though for right now and also I did that and we did that on, um, space saving methods for gardening. Uh, we talked, you know, just talked a little bit about all the things you can do and methods you can do for growing a lot of food in a really small space. So that was kind of fun. Also I did the podcast 
uh, this week was on function stacking for the members group. Uh, check that out and become a member of the Homestead Forum membership community. We'd love to have you in there. It's what keeps this podcast going. Um, and you get a you get a lot of uh, benefit from being a member of that community. So just go to uh, smalltownhomestead.com, click on membership in the menu, and go find out more about our membership community. But uh, we talked about function stacking on small-scale homesteads. If you don't know about function stacking, it's a permaculture concept. So had a lot of fun talking about that. Uh, so go check all that stuff out. And um, uh, that's about all that was going on this week, just general chores and taking care of animals and keep prepping those gardens and getting things ready for uh, for a busy spring. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I cannot wait to start planting things around here. Uh, this week in Homestead Relevant News, I came across an article um, called Hopeful Homesteaders Flock to Clintonville City Chicken Boot Camp. And this was, uh, I take it from the article, it was over by uh, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, yeah, chicken boot camp for those who are wanting to have chickens in the city. I thought that was pretty cool. And um, it goes on to talk a little bit about uh, what they're going to be teaching folks and even the rules, the city rules for, for having chickens. And it talks about how Columbus has been a kind of a, a trendsetter in allowing um, homesteaders to have animals in, in the city limits. And uh, they talk a little bit about the rules for owning domestic farm animals. And, um, and it, it talks a little bit about how other cities are even looking to Columbus as an example of that. And they're starting to adopt uh, some of their rules for their cities as well for having uh, animals. And I think that's great. You know, I think the more um, attention we can give to this, uh, the sooner it will quit being a problem that you cannot have farm animals in the towns. And it's a great read, and you can hear read a little bit about that. You can look at their regulations or uh, laws. Um, and perhaps even if your area doesn't allow for backyard chickens, maybe this would be a good article to read, get a little information about about Columbus's rules, and, and you, know, you can uh, present that to your city councils and such to maybe uh, get chickens allowed in your area. So good article. Go check it out. I'll have a link in the show notes. Today's show notes can be found at smalltownhomestead.com dot com forward slash 77 episode 77 so check that article out it's really good um and i just get i always get so encouraged when i when i read these articles that are just bringing lots of attention to the things that we feel like are important like you know farming in the city we think it shouldn't be the case that you're not allowed to have chickens and and i always get excited when i see folks bringing attention to that and i think it's important to know how to do that too. I mean, you know, it's a living animal you're taking care of. So this is a, you know, this is a boot camp on teaching you how to do it. And that's always a good thing. Anytime you can pick up some education on something, that's great. Um, this week uh, on hanging out in the homestead front porch, I didn't have a question per se for the front porch. Uh, front porch is our um, Facebook group for the podcast. Uh, but I didn't have a question this week, but rather um, a thread that I wanted to bring attention to. Uh, there was a thread I made, and it was to get everyone excited and motivated for their, their 2018 gardens. Uh, a lot of folks shared pics from their uh, 2017 gardens, and that was really cool. There was some uh, pretty cool gardens uh, pics, pics in there and stuff. It was really inspiring, and, and you know you can go check out that thread. I'll have a link to that thread in the show notes. And um, if you're not a member of the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group already, all you have to do to join is request to join then answer a couple questions and we'll get you right in there um and, but that was a, it was a fun thread and everybody was showing off some pictures from last year's gardens and it's just always inspiring to see garden pics i, I love it and it did get me kind of pumped about getting my garden going and uh, it's just something someone in the group uh, had mentioned that you know hey, i'm having trouble getting motivated this year for my garden and i just thought you know what always gets me motivated 
seeing some pictures of other gardens and it did it was it was pretty motivating so go check that out if you get a chance on to our main topic of discussion today i want to talk about living fences with trees hedges and fedges so a living fence if you don't know is a uh, is a permanent hedge that's uh, tight enough and tough enough to serve almost any of the functions of a, of a manufactured fence. Plus, it has some extra benefits, and we'll talk about that. Some of the advantages to living fences, of course, they have the same benefits as, as the uh, the manufactured fences, like privacy. They're really good for providing privacy. Uh, they're very good for defining borders. I mean, if you want to separate an orchard from your garden area or from your backyard or, or you just want to separate a property line or whatever, they're really good for defining borders. Um, some, some are very good for protection and security. And depending on what you build the living fence out of, uh, they can be very secure and how you build them even can make them very secure, uh, as secure as any fence you could put up really. Um, they, they also provide edge habit habitat for beneficial insects, for pollinators, for birds, things you want around your property to help keep bug populations down, um, um, to bring in pollinators and such. And certain, certain living fences can do that. So they're really good for that. They, they can provide uh, mulch and compost as you're having to, uh, each year, keep them, uh, pruned and cut back. Um, they provide a great windbreak. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, like highway departments and such using, using for years, using, uh, trees, uh, uh, along highways and things to keep the wind from blowing across the highways. So it provides a really good windbreak for your homestead, especially, uh, if you, if you, um, plan it strategically, it can really do a good job of that, protecting your home, protecting your gardens and such from wind. Um, they can provide food, uh, depending on what they're made out of. They can provide fodder. Uh, for animals, depending on what they're made out of, and medicine, depending on what they're made out of, um, they can provide a, a coppice for like burning firewood for your for your stove or your fireplace. Um, they can be a beautiful addition to the homestead. They really can. If you've ever seen a really beautiful uh, hedgerow, uh, they're nice, especially if it's one made with trees, a combo of trees and shrubs and whatnot. If someone does it right, they can look really nice. Um, some of the disadvantages, though, to living fences is it does not provide an instant fence, which is the reason I told you in the beginning we're going to be putting up a privacy fence on one side of our um, property, kind of separating it from our neighbor's property. There is a chain link fence there. It's their chain link fence, but it's just not doing, it's just not enough of a separation for me. I, uh, they're great neighbors. Love them. They're great neighbors, but we just don't want them, in, you know, hanging over into our backyard constantly and vice versa. You know, they probably wish they had a little bit of privacy as well. So we'll be putting up a privacy fence. So it does not provide an instant fence. I mean, it takes some time to grow a, um, a living fence. They can be labor intensive. Planting, especially if you have a really long fence row, you're going to plant a lot of things. You're going to have to prune it. Uh, you have to care for it. They are going to require some protection in the early years of development, You know, especially if you have a deer problem and a rabbit problem uh, coming around eating your your. Uh, living garden or your living fence, uh, you have to uh, protect that living fence, especially the first few years until it gets established. And depending on what you pl- uh, build your living fence out of, it may be thinner and less useful in the wintertime. If you build it from an evergreen or of some kind, that could be great. But if you don't, then it, it's obviously going to be a thinner, less, less useful uh, fence in the wintertime. Um, let's talk a little bit about some, some trees that you might want to consider for a living fence. Now, any tree could, uh, I put that in quotes, could be used 
Um, but some obviously will work better than others for the function you're trying to accomplish with the, with the fence. For protection and security, you, you may want to build the fence uh, using locust uh, or hawthorn because they're a thorny fence. They're going to be a thick, fast-growing, thorny fence, and they're going to provide some security. If you, cl- if you grow those close enough together, uh, nothing's going to penetrate those. Maybe down at the very bottom, but you could even fill that in with shrubs or plants of some kind that would really thicken it up even more. Um, but it, it, it's going to provide a very secure fence. I mean, it's going to be like a barbed wire fence trying to go through a barbed wire fence, um, even more so. I mean, because it's just going to be just all over the place. And you know what? They can look nice. If you grow them thick enough and keep them trimmed uh, uh, straight enough, they can look very good. And both of those have other benefits. Locust, it makes a great coppice. And a hawthorn uh, offers food and medicine. So, I mean, uh, well, it provides uh, products for that. Um, you know, planting fruit trees also can provide a pretty great living fence, especially if you can, if it's a type and it's whippy enough to where you can weave it together while they're still young and flexible. If not, maybe you got a, a, a larger variety of a, of a fruit tree. Um, Doing an espalier is a good way to grow those. You can actually just run some cables and then just feed the uh, the tree limbs down the cables, attach them, and train them down, and actually build a fence um, using uh, trees as an espalier. So you can make a pretty good looking, although it usually isn't quite as thick of a fence, it does provide a real good border separation and very nice looking and very useful for its food. Now, some trees will weave together much easier than others, and you can truly make them impenetrable. Uh, you take some willow, for an example, and plant those just uh, side by side, just all the way down through. They're pretty thick, close together. Um, you can actually weave those together. You can actually build a design. Uh, get on and look at, uh, just do some uh, Google searches or whatnot for for weaved um uh, living fences and you'll see some of the designs people have weaved together uh you do it when they're young and you just keep doing it as they go up and then you get them to the height you want you keep them there and it will make an impenetrable fence as, as imp- impenetrable as anything else any store-bought material you could you could put there and it's a lot of labor though you know doing that but once you get it done it's going to stay that way forever those things are going to grow together it's going to be a it's going to be a solid mat of trees and it's going to be beautiful i've seen some of those that come out just amazing but it takes time you know it's something that is an instant for sure um also and you know there's other trees you can use but also bamboo makes a great living fence um if you're looking for something fast growing which i was uh but i live in indiana and some bamboo types don't grow good here uh, generally, it's the smaller clumping bamboos that grow good here. That's good. Uh, one of the big problems with running bamboo is that it spreads this crazy. I mean, if you're going to plant that next to a neighbor's yard, it, it's going to pop up in their yard. So you got to be careful about that. A clumping bamboo is less likely to do that, but it's usually not quite as thick and not quite as tall and even not quite as fast growing in some cases, especially the more northern uh, tolerant, uh, colder tolerant uh, types of bamboo. So it wasn't something I, I thought about. And half of the area that I'm looking at doing is also pretty shady so i I was you know if it was full sun i would have probably thought of some other um ideas for that because i need it fast and i need it you know uh thick but bamboo is something i actually had thought about but i just don't want to cause them problems with you know bamboo spreading over onto their property and them not wanting it (laughs) so um but bamboo can make a very great uh fence but be be aware of its if it's spreading qualities 
Let's just talk about bushes for making thick hedges. I mean, that's what most commonly when you see a hedgerow, it's made up of ornamental bushes. Probably one of the most common things you'll see is boxwood. It's probably the most common for that purpose. It's readily available at garden centers, big box stores. You can even buy them at like a Walmart or something. Um, that You buy them small, and they're not real fast growing, but over the years they will grow up. They can grow fairly tall and make a nice, tall, thick hedgerow. Um, and they have some other purposes. Of course, there's some, there's some compost there. I mean, composting material and whatnot, um, uh, coppice, you're going to be cutting them. I mean, it's not a thick branch. It's pretty, pretty small branches, but you'll get some stuff out of it. Um, juniper is another great bush for hedges. It's tall. It's beautiful. It's, it's a nice, uh, nice hedge, a bush. P- privet is another one. It's a popular bush for this purpose. Uh, lilac is a beautiful shrub and it has some varieties reaching about eight feet tall. So it really thick and, uh, it can cause some allergy issues. Uh, all these really could, I guess, if you have some allergy problems, but, um, lilac is a great one to build a living fence from. Uh, there's more. It really depends on what grows best in your zone. You know, you there's people all over the world that listen to this podcast, and and there's going to be certain bushes uh, in your area that grow tall and grow great, and that you can grow close together to make a beautiful hedgerow. Uh, but if I'm going to build a hedgerow out of bushes, I'm probably not going to go with just a purely ornamental a hedge, I'm probably going to get something a little more useful and I'm going to make a fedge. <laughs> That's a food hedge. Um, a, a fedge is, is a hedge made of bushes that, uh, that go beyond the normal functions of a hedge. They also provide food in the form of hips, nuts, and berries. Um, you can build a fedge out of some larger, uh, bush style variety roses, um, you can have, and the rose hips would be very valuable there. Elderberry, makes a great fedge. Uh, it's very tall, thick. Um, you know, it can be a little cumbersome, but you can keep it pruned back uh, and a little more even looking uh, elderberry. Uh, blackberries and raspberries both uh, make good fedges, but now they are do grow a little out of control. So to keep them decent looking, you're going to definitely have to do more pruning and, and control them a little bit and maybe even put some uh, lattice up or, or something to pin them back to, to keep them from just going crazy. Be aware of the thorns though, especially if you have small children or whatever. Um, blueberries make a beautiful hedgerow. Uh, I, they can get pretty, pretty good size and, uh, you get enough of them in a row and it makes it, and, and I like it when they, in the late fall, they get this like purpley color to them when they start getting before, uh, before they, they die back for the winter and uh, just beautiful. I think, I think blueberries are, and they could be pulled off in just about any, um, ornamental setting as well. Really could. Cranberry, uh, is another one. Uh, currants, uh, and gooseberries both are going to be a little, you know, are going to be a pretty good, uh, plant to grow, um, for that bush to grow for a hedgerow. There's, there's a lot and I can't, you know, name them all, but it pretty much anything you'll want to look at what the height is on it and then look at what grows good in your area look at your desired height and see what the the height is uh, a common height is for those bushes and decide if you if that's something you could make a hedgerow out of but a hedgerow is a great way to to do that and you get food you know and usually you can also have it fodder for your animals if it's something like that and uh, a medicinal, I mean, you look at the elderberry, it's a medicinal plant. Um, so there, there's some great benefits to not going with a traditional uh, manufactured fence and going with a living fence. Using trees, using bamboo, using uh, uh, bushes 
uh, is great. Now, there are some uh, plants that you can use that are very tall growing that could possibly make great fence rows. Uh, asparagus is actually a very tall, ferny plant. You, we see what we buy in the store, or maybe you don't think of it that way, but you know, asparagus gets really tall, really bushy, uh, really thick, fern type, and uh, you plant those in a row, and they're going to come back every year, and it's going to make a nice hedgerow. So pretty much anything tall and uh, and perennial would be really good for for making a, a food hedge. So look into that. Uh, but there's some great ideas there. And I hope I've got you thinking along the lines of what you could do to separate up your property, maybe make some rows, make them beneficial, uh, get lots of benefits from them. Uh, and, and like I said, section off your property using living fences. Use them to separate yourself from your neighbors. Use them to uh, to uh, protect areas of your, of your homestead. And, uh, you know, uh, make a great addition. To any homestead with a with a living fence using trees, bamboo hedges, and fedges. So there you have it, folks. Pretty quick, pretty simple. Just want to get you thinking along those lines. Let you uh, be aware of the possibilities of a living fence, and uh, hopefully, uh, maybe you'll find a purpose for it on your homestead. And if you do, let us know about it. Love to see you post some pictures of your living fence in the homestead front porch, or you, or you can tell me about them in the comments of this uh, the post. Uh, or just send me an email to sthomestead at gmail.com. We'd love to see your uh, living fence or hear your thoughts on a living fence. So much you can do there, so many benefits, and uh, I think it'd be a great addition to any homestead. Okay, for today's recommendations, let's see. uh, Oh, I want to recommend today that you check out everything from Jeff Lawton on permaculture. (laughs) Um, I was laying around yesterday, and I have some DVDs from Jeff Lawton, if you don't know who Jeff Lawton is, he he's a, a a permaculture guy. He does teaches permaculture courses. He was one of uh, Bill Mollison's students. Um, he was the father of permaculture. Uh, just you know, there's there's everything Jeff Lawton does is great. He's a brilliant man when it comes to uh, to permaculture. And I was laying around yesterday, nothing better to do because my mouth hurt, and I was, was going to be taking it easy for a day. And I watched some Jeff Lawton videos, and man, there's just some good stuff there. So you can go to his website, uh, jefflawtononline.com. He's got some videos there. Um, a lot of information there about permaculture. Uh, check him out. I just recommend you can get on YouTube and find Jeff Lawton videos and whatnot. He's really, really good to watch. Um, has some great uh, ideas. And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about permaculture, he's a great guy to look into. So there you have it. Check out Jeff Lawton on permaculture. I'll have a link to his um, his website in the show notes as well. Again, thank you, folks, for uh, being part of the Homestead Forum membership community. Really appreciate that. You are making this possible. Uh, also thankful for those who um, shop Amazon through our affiliate links. Uh, that's always appreciated. Give us a little kickback there. And always, as usual, we're encouraged by those of you who leave an iTunes review. Got a couple good uh, reviews this last week. Thank you so much for that. And can I just say, you know, last week, the uh, the episode I did last week, uh, was was a more personal, <laughs> I guess that's a way of putting it, a more personal episode, and I kind of poured myself out there a little bit, and uh, I got a lot of great feedback from you guys. I appreciate your kind words, and um, and there probably are some people not listening this week because of that episode, and that's fine. That that is, it really is fine. I don't mind. Um, but uh, thank you for your encouraging words and 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 all that you had to say for that. that was just, I got a lot out of that, and. Uh, It was encouraging. So, um, hey, until next week, uh, happy homesteading. 
and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.